you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey there, everybody. It is Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we believed in Jimmy Garoppolo the whole time. I'm Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio. Producer Justin is at the controls, and a little birdie told me that producer Hytham is just sitting and spying on us. I have no idea uh, what's going on with that. But uh, plenty to talk about on this Tuesday. Uh, we will go through some of our own fantasy awards, not the basic like fantasy MVPs or busts or surprise, because we've done that ad nauseum. Everybody has done those. So we'll talk about some of those uh, different alternative awards, if you will. We'll also talk about some of the head coach removals across the NFL and uh, use that as a dynasty heat check a little bit. But uh, Florio, it was it was a wild week 18. I know we were sort of like, eh, is this is this really necessary? And then it turned out to be kind of interesting and good. Uh, so I have to ask you, what was the best game for you in week 18? It's low-hanging fruit, but the best game for me was the Raiders-Chargers Sunday night game, which came down to the wire. I- I'm sure, you know, people are over the the timeout and, and all the questionable <laughs> calls that we had in that one. But with so much on the line, I-, I mean, I was fully invested in that game, and I had no real rooting interest in it. So no. I-, I think for me, that was the best game. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that, just because it was, it was bananas. I mean, the number of fourth downs that the Chargers converted – uh, just to keep that thing alive. Like the number of times their season was literally one play away from being over and somehow Justin Herbert was able to get it done uh, was just amazing. And then really sort of hoping that the Raiders would take a knee. Um, and I like I'm I'm with you. I'm not going to sit here and try to litigate the whole timeout thing and good or bad or whatever. But just the fact is, uh, you know, there was a chance it looked like where Steelers fan was going to be left salty and uh, just kind of hung out to dry. And instead, the Raiders kick a field goal and uh, the Chargers – uh, well, they kind of charge their way out of the playoffs. Sorry about that. The, the uh, game that you were at, though, was, was I would say, the runner-up. 
Yeah, no, Niners, uh, Niners Rams was a fun game. And uh, for me, it was my first chance to see a game at SoFi Stadium, which I know I, some of you probably think that's weird because we work, when we say we work literally next door, we work literally next door to SoFi Stadium. But, uh, you know, on Sundays, a lot of times we would do our show in the morning uh, and then we'd head get home. Get out to of watch there. Football. Yeah, <laughs> we'd just get out of there. <laughs> trying, to, uh, trying to dodge traffic so we'd get out of there. So this was my first chance to see uh, a live game at SoFi. The place is amazing. Uh, the game was a lot of fun. Niner fans took the place over. Um, I, I tweeted that the Rams kind of got to see how the Chargers live, you know, playing a home game in front of a crowd that was sort of hostile. Uh, but that was that was a whole lot of fun. Um, I wanted to start just a quick rundown of the fantasy leaders for the 2021 season. Now, this is I compiled this through week 17 because I know most leagues were done after week 17. Uh, so it doesn't include week 18. And this is full point PPR scoring. But your top score, no surprise, Cooper Cup, 412.9 points. QB1 was Josh Allen at 393.72. Uh, your RB1, Jonathan Taylor, 360.6. Uh, wide receiver one, well, I mean, it's Cooper Cup. He's the top scorer. He's also your wide receiver one. Mark Andrews dethrones Travis Kelsey as the tight end one, 284.6. Nick Folk was your kicker one at 164 and the Cowboys uh your top defense at 180 points first off Nick Folk to me uh that sort of blew me away because I was like wait Nick Folk is I had to look him up like he's he's old right I'm like yeah I was like there's not a new Nick Folk that I that I didn't know about no this is 37 year old Nick Folk uh who was the kicker one I know people don't like kickers Florio but uh, I still thought that was remarkable that at 37 years old this dude was the top kicker this year I don't know how he's done it the the Patriots just keep loving kicking field goals, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, I, I was out of all the names, Nick Folk is easily the most surprising one. Uh, all right, so let's go through some of our kind of alternative fantasy awards uh, for this season. Let's start with the player most likely to repeat as the top scorer at his respective position. Uh, who is it for you? I, I'm gonna sound like a little bit of a homer. It for me, I, I think it's Josh Allen because. You know, we know what he could give you with his arm and then the fact that he's the only player in NFL history with like 100 passing touchdowns and 30 rushing touchdowns through four years shows you that every year he's going to give you production with his legs. He's the first quarterback to finish as the QB1 in back-to-back years since Dante Culpepper did it 15 years ago. But Marcus, if we're being honest, I think you could make a case for why each of these players won't be the top scoring player <laughs> next year at their position. Like Allen to do it three years in a row would be tough. Taylor, I think they need to throw him the ball a little bit more. Cup could have another great year just where not everything goes his way and he reduces a little bit. Mark Andrews, I mean, we wouldn't be surprised if another tight end. So I think you can make the case for all of them. I think you can make the case against all of them. I think you can too. Uh, I know you know you talk about Josh Allen and uh, a stat that I got from uh, our pals in research, Matt Frederick and, and Matt Okada, that uh, the last quarterback to finish as the QB won three years in a row was Brett Favre from 1995 to 1997 uh before that it was steve young from 92 to 94 so you had it you know in, in fairly close proximity and now we've gone what 25 years almost uh since it's happened again so uh that seems to make it tough for, for josh allen not impossible just difficult that's all um i'm gonna go with jonathan taylor and even though I said uh, on Fantasy Live, and I still believe it, I still think Derrick Henry should be in the conversation for the top overall pick. Um, right now, the Colts seem like they want to lean on Jonathan Taylor for good reason. Uh, I think especially after what happened in Week 18 uh, with Carson Wentz uh, not playing so well and the Colts getting bounced from the playoffs. 
maybe that's a, a reason for them to sort of double up on Jonathan Taylor next year. And maybe they do throw him the ball more. Um, maybe they need to be becoming part of it. They but should. I feel like he, I feel like he's got a good shot uh, to repeat as the top running back. Um, which is only going to make it more frustrating when he wants a new contract and then half of fantasy Twitter tells him that he should be just you know happy with what he's got. That, and, that's going to be an interesting one though cuz fantasy Twitter loves Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. So like they're going to their brains, I don't know if if everyone's brains are going to be able to handle it. Yeah, but I feel like fantasy Twitter also loved Zeke once upon a time and they loved True. Saquon once upon a time and now like, you know, like they basically consider both these guys to be bums. <laughs> so uh, I mean, heck, Christian McCaffrey like put out one of the greatest seasons ever and he got a contract extension and Twitter was like, "Oh, what's wrong with you?" Like, I, so there's no winning there. Um all right, so that gets us to the next award though. Uh, by the way, for the you listening, we're not actually handing out an actual award. There's no going to be. There's not going to be an actual winner. These are just our opinions on things. <laughs> um, player most likely to be drafted too high in 2022. I think it's James Conner, and this is one that I, it took me a little bit to kind of land on a candidate. I think yours is great, um, but I was thinking about it like. Connor is in a committee here. We we know Chase Edmonds is going to be involved uh, as long as both of them are back in Arizona. Edmonds is going to take some pass catching away. The thing about James Connor is he had a very good year, 11, uh, 1,100 total yards, but 18 touchdowns clearly is what made him an RB1 this year. I think if you're paying anywhere close for an RB1 price for James Conner, you're probably overpaying in drafts next year. So uh, I think it's easy to sell yourself on like, look how good Conner was. He he was a focal point in this offense. We used the goal line runner. This is a good Cardinals offense. But like if those 18 touchdowns drops down to like 10, which is a really good year, you're looking at a lot of fantasy points lost there. So it's always hard for me to draft someone that was so reliant on touchdowns because like you say, Marcus, they are a fickle beast. Yeah, touchdowns are fickle beasts, man. The other part of it that helped James Conner um, was, I mean, he, he played a good stretch of the season without Chase Edmonds there too. I mean, there was a long period of time where he was the running back in Arizona. And I just, I don't think that's how Cliff Kingsbury wants to operate. Um, you know, I, I think he likes to have two backs. I think he likes to kind of have a, a 60-40, maybe a 50-50 split, but I I don't think they just want to lean on one guy. So, you know, again, if Chase Edmonds is back and healthy, then I, that sort of eats into Connor's opportunities as well. So I, I'm kind of with you on that one. Um, so originally I had put Cordero Patterson in, but I kind of feel like everybody's going to look at Cordero and realize that this was sort of a magical year. And I don't, I don't know that there's going to be that sort of uh, feeding I, I frenzy for Cordero in the top of drafts. So I, instead I switched it to Hunter Renfro. Um, who was amazing this year, absolutely amazing, but sort of like Connor and Chase Edmonds, I do think Renfro sort of benefited from Darren Waller missing long stretches of the season as well. And, uh, you know, again, you never, you can never predict health. You never know who's going to be there, or who's not going to be there. Um, but nine touchdowns kind of seems like a big number for a guy like Hunter Renfro. I mean, maybe it's doable again, but uh, I mean, he sort of had that, First off, he he sort of has that new Julian Edelman syndrome. He had 103 catches for 1,038 yards. Like, it's not like, you know, he's he's not putting up necessarily huge numbers. He had that stretch in the middle of the season with, like, three 100-yard games in a row. Uh, started scoring touchdowns down the stretch. But it just feels like the idea of Hunter Renfro being a wide receiver one again next year uh, I mean, what, through 18 weeks, he was he's the wide receiver 10. I mean, it just it, it feels impossible. And I, I know, 
you know, I know you talked about him as being you know, kind of a waiver wire hero or kind of an unsung hero this year. Uh, this feels like a game where people may start reaching for Hunter Renfro next year, and that that kind of performance just doesn't seem like he can repeat it to me. Yeah, I I agree. I I, I had the same thought process as you. I thought Cordero Patterson at first was like, no, no one's, everyone's gonna know that's not real. I was like Hunter Renfro. I was like, oh, Marcus already has him. <laughs> but uh, because I agree, like everything kind of broke right for Hunter Renfro this year. The Unfortunate circumstances, but the Raiders lost their wide receiver one in the middle of the season. Uh, Darren Waller then got hurt, and we know how much of a target magnet Darren Waller is. So I think next year, whether it be Waller and someone else, whatever they do, they're going to have more pieces around Hunter Renfro. So uh, I, I think he could still be a useful fantasy piece, but is he if someone's taking him as like their wide receiver two, which I could see, I think you're overdoing it. Which, by the way, too, the other part is we don't know who the Raiders head coach is going to be next year either. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rich Basaccia has done a great job getting into the playoffs, but he is the interim coach. Uh, and there's certainly no guarantee that he gets that job full time. So that's another uh, sort of variable to throw in there when, when you talk about the Raiders. OK, so that's the player who's most likely to be drafted too high next year. Who is the player most likely to be drafted too low in 2022? You could call me a sucker, man, but Terry McLaurin, I, I can't <laughs> quit this guy. And I think, I mean, look, we were all super high on Terry McLaurin. I had him ranked as a wide receiver one coming into this year. I thought Fitzpatrick was what he needed to kind of take that next step. Fitzpatrick played what, a half? And then a it was, half, it was, maybe. yeah, yeah, it was, it was Taylor Heineke. It, it was, uh, you know, other backups. It just wasn't the right situation for Terry McLaurin, but he still had a thousand yards. He still had 130 targets for his second straight year. Uh, I, I very much so believe in Terry McLaurin's talents. I just need to see a quarterback upgrade. I don't think Washington's going to go into next year with just Taylor Heineke. Uh, I think they'll make a move at the quarterback position and that'll help Terry McLaurin. But I'm still thinking his price will be decreased because he he had high expectations and let us down. And then he just, in the second half of the season, he wasn't really startable in fantasy. So I think a lot of people are going to hold that against him. I, I especially agree with the part about Washington looking to upgrade its quarterback situation. Because I felt like, and I think you know a lot of people might have agreed, that going into this year, Ryan Fitzpatrick felt like a stopgap, right? Like he was kind of a seat warmer for a year, two at the absolute most. And then they would go out and try to find themselves a quarterback. Now, because of the injury, Heineke was sort of pressed into service. And you know, all things considered, he was fine. Um, but I don't think that's what Washington wanted. So I, I expect them to uh, try to make some moves, whether it's free agency or trade. Um, you know, I don't know if there's anybody in the draft that's, that's immediately going to be the savior at quarterback for this franchise. But um, I, I think hopefully that helps uh, Terry McLaurin kind of get back to where we wanted him to be. Uh, this year so I had a Raider for drafted too high I'm gonna go with a Raider for drafted too low and that's that's gonna be Josh Jacobs um I think I, I do know Kenyon Drake is still gonna be under contract and he, he had that season ending injury but I think what we saw from Josh Jacobs late in the year when Drake was out Prove that he can be, you know, obviously I don't expect him to be a Jonathan Taylor type workhorse or a Derrick Henry type workhorse, but he can do a lot for them. And I think the thing that that excited me the most is that they're throwing him the football. And that's all we've ever wanted from Josh Jacobs. You know, and I shouldn't say from Josh Jacobs. Like, I think he knew he could catch the football. The Raiders just <laughs> never threw it to him. But now they're actually getting him involved in the passing game. And I think that is sort of exciting. That's kind of encouraging. And I think people are going to sort of look and and I don't know. I just I feel like there's 
there's still hesitation when it comes to this Raiders offense. And, and I, I can see Jacobs. I think he's still a second round pick, but I think he should be talking. We should be talking about him maybe early second round. I'm not going to put him in the first round. I don't I don't think that's that's realistic, but I think he can be a an early second round pick. I think he can be kind of a low end running back one, especially if the Raiders really are involving him in the passing game, because I mean, Mike, that's that's kind of the only thing he wasn't doing. He just wasn't catching the football until you know midway through this year. And in. Again, it wasn't a thing of can Josh Jacobs catch the ball. It was a matter of are they going to throw him the ball. So I think the fact that, you know, coaching change happened and then we finally started to see it. If they keep throwing him the ball next season, yeah, I think that he will be a second round pick. And for the first time ever, I probably won't be fading Josh Jacobs. I know, right? <laughs> like That was always my thing. Like, well, he didn't catch the ball, so I don't know if I'm going to draft him. But now if he's catching the ball, like I'm, I'm sort of in on him. Um. All right, so the player who is most ready to make, quote-unquote, the leap next year, who is it for you? Low-hanging fruit, potentially, but I'm going with Kyle Pitts here. Mm -hmm. I expect a monstrous year next year for Kyle Pitts, and I know a lot of people are saying, like, well, we expected one for him this year, and it's like, well, he... He kind of gave us that monstrous rookie season. The only thing he didn't give us was touchdowns. Like, 1,000-yard season. He had, coming after 17 weeks, he had more catches than Jalen Waddell, who broke, uh, I'm sorry, more receiving yards than Jalen Waddell, more receptions than Devontae Smith, more fantasy points than any rookie tight end has had in over 30 years. Like, he came through for us like we all thought he would. The only thing he didn't do was catch those touchdowns. Him and Cole Beasley were the only players with over 100 targets and just one touchdown. And... <laughs> Coming into week 18, Marcus, I looked at it like, what does every other player with 100 targets average touchdown-wise? The answer was 6.75. I said if we just give him 6, he would be the tight end 3 in total points and the tight end 6 in points per game. Basically, exactly what we were hoping he would do this year. So, I think next year with touchdown regression coming, positive touchdown regression coming his way, him just, you know, getting naturally better like second-year players do, and... Probably having some more help around him on offense after Kyle Calvin Ridley left, he had no help there. I think that Kyle Pitts could take a huge leap and potentially be the tight end one in fantasy. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, you know, I, I look at the the top seven tight ends, right? So it's like it's Pitts at six, and then you know the other guys around him. All of those top seven guys had at least five touchdowns, except for Kyle Pitts. So if you give him, like I said, if you give him those five extra touchdowns, you put him at six. Uh, that gives him over 200 points. He's right up there just ahead of George Kittle. Um, and everybody, I think, feels slightly different about him because everything else was fine. Everything else is comparable to all those guys around him. More catches uh, than Gronk. I think he had the third most receiving yards uh, among tight ends. It was just the touchdowns. That was the only thing that was missing. Um, I know I saw somebody on, on Twitter recently say that he considered Kyle Pitts a fantasy loser because of where you probably drafted him, which, I mean, I guess... I also say that I was I was kind of advocating not drafting him that high just because of my own personal caution. But um, I think it's hard to say that he's a loser. I just, I just didn't score he is him. not a loser. He he <laughs> played great. The losers, if, if there's any loser here, Marcus, it's the people who had too high of expectations for yeah. him. Like he came through. He was the best rookie tight end in my lifetime. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I, I think I think Kyle Pitts is fine, and I'm with you. I think he takes a huge step forward next year. So I almost put him as mine, um, but instead I, I pivoted, and, and this might sound homerish, but uh, I'm going to say Trey Lance um, because, look, I, I, 
I don't know for sure what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. And look, shout out to him for for basically willing. He and Debo Samuel sort of willed the Niners into the playoffs uh, in that game in Los Angeles. But I also feel like, you know, his days might sort of be numbered in San Francisco, that they may be ready to turn to Trey Lance. And in games where he played a significant number of snaps, I think if you, you cut out like 48% or more of the snaps, uh, he averaged nearly 20 points per game. Actually, probably about closer to 19. But either way, it was it was a pretty good, uh, you know, sample size, a pretty good scoring number for him when he got a significant number of snaps. He was able to run the ball effectively, at least 30 rushing yards in all those games. And look, yes, he will have some growing pains if he ends up being the full-time starter next year. But he also has guys to help out. I mean, they've got Debo. They've got George Kittle. Uh, you know, Maybe Brandon Ayuk comes back into our lives next year. Who knows? We know they're going to have a solid running game, and he will very much be a part of it. Um, I, I, I sort of see Trey Lance next year. Like like Jalen Hurts this year, uh, a guy who, you know, you're sort of drafting him probably in the 10th round, maybe later. Um, you know, you're not necessarily expecting him to be your starting fantasy quarterback week to week, but I can see him, you know, every week, just somehow you look up and somehow Trey Lance has 18 points or 19 points uh, week after week to the point that you're like, maybe I got to think about starting this guy. So I, I think that once he takes over and he gets a full off season to sort of get ready and, and uh, kind of get uh, acclimated to his teammates, I think, I think Trey Lance is ready. To, I know people are excited. I know I'm not the only one who thinks this because we were all super hyped on Trey Lance, but I just feel like uh, next year the door is open for him to just walk through and really do some big things. Yeah, I don't think you're being a homer at all. I, I think Trey Lance is a awesome fantasy pick for next year. I, I would I'm probably gonna have him ranked as a QB one, which sounds crazy potentially, but like I I agree with your comparison of Jalen Hurts, but I actually have more faith in Trey Lance because of Kyle Shanahan and the pieces around him. Like every year Jimmy G more than half his passing yards come after the catch because that's how good those guys are. So Trey Lance doesn't have to do a whole lot, but he's got a stronger arm and a better deep ball than Jimmy G, and he can run. So, yeah, I, I think the sky is the limit for him. I, QB1 with top five upside, is that crazy to say? Ooh, spicy. I like it. It's spicy, <laughs> but I, I really, really like that. Uh, all right, so that's the guy who we think is going to take the leap. Now the, the player more likely in a veteran who is likely to fall out of fantasy relevance this year. And I, I saw yours and I chuckle because somebody on Twitter is going to come for you, but I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> I, this is going to be like the third year in a row. Someone comes <laughs> for me for him, but it's Adam Thielen, man. I mean, so the last two years, Adam Thielen has led the NFL in mo largest percentage of fantasy points scored on touchdowns at over 30%. He didn't lead the NFL in that, at least receivers in 2021, but he was top five. And for the third straight year, over a third of his fantasy points came off of touchdowns. At some point, it becomes a dangerous proposition that I need Adam Thielen to catch double-digit touchdowns or he is not going to pay off for fantasy. And, I mean, the yards continue to decrease. He averaged less than 60 yards per game last year. The catches are down. The targets are down. The only saving grace he has is those touchdowns. And, I, I mean, let's say he catches six touchdowns next year and he just has an off-year touchdown-wise. Like, He's not going to be a great fantasy asset. There might be people who throw him back on the waiver wire. So uh, maybe he he could hang on to a little bit of relevance. But I definitely think the the end is near with Adam Thielen. And uh, the touchdowns right now are the only thing keeping him fantasy relevant. But because he's a big name and because of all those touchdowns, Marcus, I think people are going to overdraft him. And then a lot of people are going to be upset. 
I, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Because that was that was the narrative early in the season, right? That Adam Thielen thumbs his nose at touchdown regression because he just kept scoring. And <laughs> I, I I get it, but I'm I'm kind of with you. At some point, uh, it, it's just hard. It just is harder, and especially as Justin Jefferson continues to develop and get better. Uh, I think he starts to take more of those opportunities. Um, you know, also part of it, and, and we'll get to some coaching changes in a little bit, but there's going to be a change uh, in Minnesota too, and you wonder how that's going to impact a lot of the players on that roster. Um, close your ears, Justin. Uh, for me, a player is going to be Julio Jones. And, and it sort of hurts my heart to say this because I love Julio, but at some point you just have to wonder if the accumulation of injuries is going to start to be too much. Um, you know, because this is this is going a couple of years now. I mean, we, we saw it his last couple of years in Atlanta, all those years, uh, all those games where a lot of times you know, Julio either is yeah, either he misses a game or he shows up to play, but he's just a decoy because he's not 100 percent. And then this year, obviously missing a ton of time with Tennessee and just not really being productive uh, week in and week out. I just think at some point, you know, this is all going to sort of catch up to him. And and I think there will still be moments when he flashes and he reminds you, uh, you know, who he once was. But I think uh, on an overall week-to-week basis, I don't know that we're going to see that same Julio Jones anymore. Um, you know, and especially with A.J. Brown there, we'll see, obviously, Derrick Henry hopefully is back and healthy for next year. I think that sort of lessens their need to rely on Julio. And I think for fantasy, um, you know, I think we're going to see his ADP fall quite a bit. And I, I just am not really expecting to count on him as more than, you know, maybe a, a third wide receiver on any fantasy rosters next year. Yeah, my thinking with Julio is if, like, we see him fall to, like, the ninth, 10th round, maybe, you know, potentially even a little bit later, I, I will take shots on him, but I, w- I could see him falling completely out of being fantasy relevant or at maybe having a year like A.J. Green where he, he shows flashes and has a couple of good games, but you can't really rely on him. So, it, it just like you, Marcus, it, it pains me to say it, but, yeah, Julio Jones is definitely one who – uh who could just fall off next season. I mean, he caught his first touchdown as a Titan in week 18. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, that, uh, that says a lot about it. Uh, Justin saying Julio should just sit out until playoffs for the rest of his career. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, he'll just be a postseason guy. He'll show up. You know, he'll show up in like week 17. He'll get a couple of weeks of regular season work in uh, just to get ready. It'll be like his it'll be like his preseason week 17 and 18. And then he'll uh, he'll be there for the playoffs. So, uh, so you go. Those are our fantasy awards. Congrats. To everybody who won, um, whatever. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Want to take some time uh, to get through some quick news and notes. Obviously, uh, what they, I guess they usually call Black Monday, uh, sort of happened across the NFL. 
it's always a weird term. It's always a weird time because it's like the season's over and then, you know, teams start cleaning house. But uh, quick rundown of some of the, the notable changes. The big one, the one that surprised everybody, uh, the Dolphins fired head coach Brian Flores, but they do keep the general manager in place there down in Miami. Uh, sort of hinted at the Vikings, but the Mike Zimmer, the head coach, and the GM Rick Spielman are gone in Minnesota. Uh, staying in the NFC North, the Bears fired both head coach Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace. Uh, in New York, Dave Gettleman, quote unquote, retires. Uh, yeah, him and his his uh, keyboard typing there, uh, mocking all the <laughs> analytics guys. Uh, Gettleman retires, but Joe Judge, at least of now, is still the head coach for Big Blue. And then uh, earlier in the weekend, uh, the Broncos fired head coach Vic Fangio. Uh, after they missed the playoffs for, I believe, the fifth straight year, which uh, seems unfathomable for a franchise like the Denver Broncos. But Vic Fangio is out in Denver. And that is obviously on top of the, the head coaching vacancies we already knew about. with John Gruden gone in Las Vegas and Urban Meyer gone in Jacksonville. Uh, so we already knew about those. But the, these are some more that are that are sort of opening up. So that sort of led me to think about dynasty type stuff. And and you know this, the dynasty market is what's well, always open, but it's especially open now. Um, this is sort of like football's equivalent of the hot stove in baseball, right? Where <laughs> things start moving and start happening a little bit. So um, I, I took the teams that made head coaching moves recently and picked a player or two of relevance there. And so I want to get your thoughts on for dynasty. If, if, you know, folks should be trying to buy, sell or hold, uh, some of these players that are, uh, you know, kind of of interest there. So let's start with with Miami because again, that was the one that I think caught everybody off guard. Uh, Jalen Waddle, Tua Tungavailoa. What are you suggesting folks do with these players? A hundred percent by Jalen Waddle. Like he he is a stud. He just broke the rookie reception record. He did it in a year where Tua was in and out and, and there was games started by Jacoby Brissett and Waddle got off to a slow start, but then looked like a wide receiver one down the stretch. So he is a huge buy for me right now. One of the receivers that I'm most excited for heading into next year. Tua on the other hand, I think is a sell candidate because we keep hearing that they want to upgrade the quarterback position. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets dealt for an upgrade or something like that. So too much unknown there with Tua plus I've tried to be a Tua supporter, Marcus, and like <laughs> sometimes he he looks great, and then other times, like this past weekend, uh, like he was missing all of his throws. It, it just it didn't look pretty. So I, I think Tua would be a sell right now. Yeah, and I think I, I mean I agree with you on both of those. I think you know if you are trying to acquire Jalen Waddle, obviously the price is going to go up. Um, but I think you get it now because if they bring in an offensive minded head coach. Uh, to kind of really spruce up, then then maybe the price goes even higher. So it 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 may be time to try to get in on Waddle now if you can. Um, and I think I think you're probably out on Tua, um, just because the Dolphins seem to be out on Tua. Um, I'm with you. I tried to be a supporter the whole time, uh, but it just seems like they they don't want him around. I mean, the rumors keep swirling around him about you know maybe they're going to bring in another quarterback. Um, and I don't think he helps it by, again, not not having big games. He's fine, um, but he's not spectacular. He's not the guy so far that looks like he's going to carry this offense or carry this franchise. He can be the guy to kind of not screw it up, but I don't think he's necessarily the guy who is, uh, who's going to win it for you on a, on a consistent basis. So I think it's probably time, uh, if you've got to, uh, maybe to try to move on from him. But again, understand that, 
uh, you know, you're either not going to get much in return. Or you're going to have to package him to get something because it's just there's just not going to be a whole lot of interest if no one believes he's going to be the starter in Miami next season. Um, to the Bears, this one seems fairly easy, but I'll put it out there. Uh, Justin Fields, what's what's up with him? Bye. He he yeah. to me is a lot like Trey Lance. Like I I think he's got QB one upside next year because of what he can do with his legs. Uh, we saw that he can be a good passer at the NFL level. I'm hoping, and I'm saying this as a Bills fan, Marcus, I am hoping the Bears hire Brian Dable because he has worked his magic with a young quarterback before. He has a offensive-friendly system. I don't want to see them go out there and hire, like, a defensive coach and then try to play, like, ground-and-pound football or something like that. Like, no, let's open this up. Let's get the... Let's take full advantage of this good rookie quarterback that fell into your lap. So I'm saying bye as of now. Maybe that changes a little bit depending on who they bring in as a head coach, but I'm likely still to be in on Justin Fields. So one of the names that has been floated out there, the Bears have asked to talk to Byron Leftwich, uh, who's been down in Tampa doing a really good job with that offense. Yes, I know he has Tom Brady. Don't care. He's still done a really good job uh, of putting that offense together down there in Tampa. So the Bears have have shown some interest in Byron Leftwich. So it's not Brian Dable, but it's a similar line of thinking where they want to bring in a guy, obviously, to groom their young quarterback. So, yeah, I think it's it's very much a situation like Jalen Waddle, where you're in and you're probably going to have to, you know, give up something of value to get Justin Fields. But – um, you know, if they do hire a left witch or a Dable or somebody like that, again, the price is going to skyrocket. So uh, this is a situation where get in now because this thing could be going to the moon um, if you want Justin Fields. But there is a lot of long term potential, especially with the Darnell Mooney is there. I know Allen Robinson's probably gone, uh, but Darnell Mooney is there. David Montgomery has shown. Obviously, he's very good. Khalil Herbert. Uh, could actually could add something to that offense as well. So there there are some things to work with in Chicago. It's not it's not completely bare. Um, the Giants are a whole other situation. Uh, <laughs> like I'm still I am still mind blown by the fact that they ran a quarterback sneak on third and nine from their own like nine yard line or whatever it was <laughs> on Sunday against Washington. That uh, of all the give ups. I have seen across the NFL. That's maybe the the biggest give up ever. Um, so I got two guys who are, I think, very much going in opposite directions right now. Uh, Kadarius Tony and and Saquon Barkley. What what say you about them? I would be buying Kadarius Tony. I I understand that Joe Judge could could very well be the head coach next year. They they probably have a bad play caller in place because that's what they've had the last couple of years. It could be Daniel Jones starting again. But I I believe in Kadarius Tony's talent. I I think what he flashed at times this year uh, was really encouraging. He's a better route runner than we gave him credit for coming out of college. All we kept talking about him though was how explosive he is, and he showed us that at times this year in the NFL. Didn't catch a touchdown this year, but I don't think it'll cost a whole lot to get a Kadarius Tony on your roster. So that's why I think you buy because I, I like his upside. Saquon, I think you hold because, yeah, it's possible that Saquon bottoms out next year and you might be like, oh, I I could have sold Saquon. But his value is already so low right now that I don't think you would get a, a great return on him. Whereas I think the potential for him being a year removed from that knee surgery, maybe he looks and 
He suffered a very bad high ankle sprain in the middle of the season as well. So a healthy Saquon could have his explosiveness back. And we've seen that in the past that it doesn't matter what the offense around him looks like. If Saquon is Saquon, he is going to be a good fantasy asset. So I wouldn't sell right now while his value is so low. I would just kind of hold and hope for the best. I think I think I'm a hold on both of these guys just because, um, you know, obviously we saw the the offense under Joe Judge the last two years has been pretty bad. Um, I, I like the opportunity for both of these guys when healthy and available to maybe be a little bit better. Um, I, and I'm not saying Daniel Jones is, you know, lights out at quarterback, but certainly he was a better fit for that offense than either uh, Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm. So hopefully Daniel Jones being back, uh, just hopefully another year uh, with this whole group makes it a little bit easier and a little bit better. Um, you know, they'll have a new offensive coordinator after Jason Garrett was let go. But I, I feel like there's so much unknown. There's so much uncertainty that if I'm if I don't have them, I don't know that I want to give up assets to try and acquire them. Uh, and with like you with Saquon, the value is so low. I'm not going to get anything for it. Um, you know, maybe you can maybe you can get something out of a Giants fan for Kadarius Tony. Maybe they're just like really over the moon about the guy. But I feel like this is one where if I have them, uh, I'm holding. And if, if I don't have them, I don't know that I'm super excited to jump out and, and make a move for either of them. Um, last one with the Broncos. Uh, this it's your guy, Jerry Judy. I was like trying to figure out other guys there. I mean, I was going to put Javante Williams there, but I already know like the, the ceiling, you know, the, the rush is going to be so big for Javante Williams. I feel like that was kind of not necessary to talk about, but uh, Jerry Judy, who we love his talent. The situation hasn't quite worked out for him. Uh, what, what are you feeling about him? I'm buying Jerry Judy. I, I fully <laughs> believe in his talent. I think he's one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Watching him play reminds me a lot of Stephon Diggs. Just such a great route runner. Could be a good weapon after the catch. And shown us that he could be a downfield weapon as well. The only thing, one... Fangio is gone, so I expect them to bring in an offensive-minded coach. We usually see that when they like a, a defensive-minded coach fails. They usually then tend to get an offensive one. So I, I think that could help. But the full expectation is that they're going to upgrade the quarterback position. We know they were trying very hard last year with, with Watson and Rodgers, and it just didn't work out. I think they'll bring in someone that is better than Teddy and Drew Locke. It's not that hard to find some to be better than those two were this year. And I think that is all Jerry Judy needs to uh, to unlock him. And I, I think he's got wide receiver one upside, but I don't think you need to pay anywhere close to that right now. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you, that because I, I do think you can get him for sort of a depressed price just because, again, there's a lot of unknown there. Um, I, I The reason I say you, you can sort of try to get him versus Kadarius Toney is because I at least I at least have a higher level of confidence about what Judy's ceiling is. Uh, I, I believe Tony could do some good things, but I'm not quite as confident about that. Uh, I also feel like the Broncos are very much in line to have a quarterback upgrade. And so I think that uh, sort of makes a difference for me. Whereas I'm, you know, I have a good sense that for New York, um, it's going to be Daniel Jones again, but I, I do think we're going to see somebody not drew lock uh, be the quarterback for the, the Broncos next year. So that alone, I think is reason to be sort of hopeful uh, about what Judy could be. Um, and I think yeah. because of that, try to get your Broncos now because once they get a new quarterback, everyone is going to be to the moon on this offense. And yep. and then you're not going to be able to get any of them. Not going to be able to get anybody there. Um, So it, it seems sort of like Aaron Rodgers may be staying put in Green Bay. I mean, it seems like everything is uh, all kumbaya out of Wisconsin right now. Um, so so your thoughts on maybe, I don't know, Russell Wilson to Denver? Does that Does that excite you at all? 
Yeah, that would be amazing. I I mean, that would be a huge quarterback upgrade. And even if it's like, like, I don't know, like the name Jameis Winston pops in my head. Like Jameis wouldn't be <laughs> awesome there. Like he wouldn't be a superstar, but he would he would be a really big upgrade for those receivers. So I just want to see, yeah, like like Rodgers, Watson, Russ, any of those quarterbacks would be awesome. But even if it's someone who is just a more aggressive thrower than Teddy, I think would be a big win for Jerry Judy. And and as for Aaron Rodgers, Marcus, like everything is great right now, right? But one bad playoff game and it could all it could all crumble, right? Like, right. The, mo- the moment Matt Lafleur opts for a field goal instead of going for it, and all of a sudden we're we're right back to where he was, and you know we're talking about Aaron Rodgers maybe hosting the Price is Right or something in the offseason. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, all right, uh, we're pretty much going to wrap this one up. We'll be back, of course, with you on Thursday. We will look ahead to the playoff weekend, which we're gonna have a Monday playoff game, dude. That's that's gonna be wild in LA. In LA, I know. Uh, we get we get the third third meeting of Cardinals and Rams, which uh, I don't know should be I guess kind of interesting. These teams know each other. I think I think it could be a score fest. So maybe we get a a really fun Monday night game. So uh, we'll dive into that. We'll give you some DFS picks for that and just kind of give you our thoughts uh, on the weekend slate as it comes. But in the meantime, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Please get vaccinated. Do good and live well. And we'll talk to you on Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.